chapter 7. I'm going to have a prayer before we go there, though I forgot about that there. Let's stand for a word of prayer, and Patrick, would you please pray for us? Dear God, I thank you for the beautiful sunny day we have to get together and worship. And if any of you with our service, please do with the prayer, and please do with us as we listen. You would respond as you speak to us. Please be with Todd and his family. Please heal him and be with the rest of our day here. May all of you say and do Amen. You may be seated. So, Wednesday evening we had a prayer meeting and uh, uh, Jesse talked to us downstairs and I just really appreciated the prayer meeting. And basically his message to us that we're sitting around a circle there was keep it real. And on short notice, sometimes I have this problem anyway, whatever I conversations, our struggles, our encouragement that I went through in the week, I share, uh, it enters in my sermons. Uh, it's how it, it does. And uh, so, <laughs> uh, just kind of an apology there. Uh, I had to work yesterday, and so last evening I uh, got together some thoughts. And so my week might enter in a little bit more than normal. Uh, so here, just a couple of weeks ago, or less than that, it was on a kind of a cold morning, and our team had a truck to unload. And I started the morning by getting on the WhatsApp and being pretty positive, you know, praising the Lord and and God is good, and we are so blessed and stuff like that. And one of them got back, who will remain nameless. And started picking out verses in the Bible like, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it shall be a curse to them. <laughs> and they were looking for verses that say that you're allowed to throw people under the bus if they get too happy. There. Somebody got back and said, can someone please shut him up? <laughs> Also this week, I was talking, again, these people were renamed nameless. And they said to me, we hate when you offer hope like that. And I said, well, why do you, do, why, why do you hate that? Well, we just don't like when you offer hope like that there. So I'm thinking this morning about these things. And um, I'm thinking how important it is for me to keep a positive outlook, uh, to keep my faith looking up. In, in my mind, you know, when it was in school, there's a lot of things that were hard for me to do. You, I know this surprises you, but school came hard for me. I, I did not enjoy school. And it was hard, and I... I used to think, I can't do this. Uh, when the, especially English language. And, you know, when they say, no, it's spelled with a P, a P like in pneumonia. And I can't, I can't grasp why somebody would, would do that to us, you know. And, and math, 
a question that I often had in school was, where would anyone ever use this? And, uh, well, you get to use it, uh, go along. But the thought is, when I, when I have that attitude and I say, I can't do this, then often I can't. And oftentimes, as a family or as a group of youth or as young people in school or as us sitting here together, it changes into a couple people saying, I can't, and that changes into, we can't, before you know what happened. And that changes into, God can't. And we kind of make God in our image and limit Him. And I can't is kind of an enemy in my thinking of, uh, of the future. It's kind of a mindset that holds us down. So in our story this morning, Second Kings chapter 7, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, an assistant to the king, answered the man of God and said, Behold, check this out. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he, Elijah, said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Here's a pivotal point. And there were four lepers, men, at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now there let us now therefore come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, big camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear noises of noise of chariots and noise of horses, even the noise of the great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and they left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost parts of the camp, they went into one tent. 
and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and they came again and entered into another tent and they carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well this day. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry, Till the morning light come, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And they called the porters, and they told it in the king's house within. Jump up to 17. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have a charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as a man of God had said he would, who spake when the king came down unto him. And it came to pass that as the man of God spoke, as the man of God had spoken, the king saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time at the gates of Samaria. <clears throat> so there, are, you know this story. They were in dire consequences here. Things were rough. They were really hard uh, here's where uh, the king was walking out and there was two ladies there and they stopped him and one had a complaint. And the Syrians had circled their place and had set up a camp. And so they were in their own little uh, prison and they were just getting weaker every day and getting weaker every day. And and the the, the extent of the situation was these two ladies were... Uh, one was complaining to the king. And she said, you know, we decided to eat the children that we have. And the two of us agreed. These two families, these two ladies agreed. And so we did that to ours. And now she won't come through. She She's going back on our promise. And this lady went to the king as he walked by And the king just kind of throws his hands up and he says, we're in this shape because God, because of God. And he's looking for the man of God and Elijah is the one and he's he's going after him and they're going down to get him. And uh, at that point is where Elijah says, uh, tomorrow about this time at the gates, it's going to change. And he was very specific. It's going to change at the gates. And I find that the king's assistant, uh, I, I find it uh, can be my thought when my back's against the wall and I'm against something tough. The king's assistant says, you know what? If God were to put windows in heaven, there is no chance that that's going to happen. That there is, there is no way conceivable 
that tomorrow, and you gotta, can you feel, were you ever, you were never that hungry. You were never, you never had your back against the wall the way these people did in that village, in that their walled city. We were never there. We, we can, we can say, okay, let me grasp this and let's understand it like, uh, they did in Gaylords where they were looking at the scripture and it was coming alive to them. Let, let's see what they're feeling. What are these people feeling? And, uh, can you see yourself on a cold day when you have a truck ton load to say, hey, this is tough. We, we, we complain pretty quick. We, we do. But the king, uh, there was a lack of, uh, a lack of, um, I, I want to say faith. It's a pretty strong word. But the king's assistant said, this will never happen. I, there is no conceivable way that this could happen. There is nothing that could happen that could make our situation better in that kind of, in that kind of thing. He was, he was hopeless. Faith in this situation is unrealistic. William Cowper, and you guys read this story already, and he was a person that fought depression all his life, even after he became a Christian, struggled with darkness that, that uh, a lot of us don't struggle with. But that their story about how he was, he was one more time, and he had tried various times to end it, and one more time he was headed for the river in a taxi. He hailed a taxi to, to uh, his place, and he took that taxi and told him to drop him off at the river. And the taxi driver, there's a fog rolled in. And this fog was so thick that even though that they were familiar with the city, they couldn't find their way around. And they drove around and drove around and got more confused and struggled. And finally the taxi driver gave up and he said, get out. And as... William got out, he saw, when he saw where he was at, he saw he was right in front of his door. And he went in and wrote that song, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And at the end, that last verse, thinking of Oliver Hess again, blind unbelief, he he often quoted this verse, blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God, it is God is his own interpreter, and he shall make it plain. God caused that fog. He dropped that off. Dropped him off there. One of my favorite parts of this story is how God often works. So there's four leprous men. And they're at the gate of the city. Uh, because they couldn't, they had a lot of uh, laws that regulated their moving around and they had a lot. And in the very best of times, these guys had it rough. It was hard for them to get food. It was hard. And they never got appreciation or a hug or an, an encouragement. In the best of times, it was hard, but there was four lepers sitting at the gate 
And if you can imagine, in the best of times, they're having, they have to, they have to depend on somebody finally saying, well, here. But they couldn't get close to anybody. They said, if we go to the city, four lepers, outcasts, bottom of the barrel, nobody, uh, and, and they're sitting at the gate because that's where they, that's where they could be. They couldn't be in the city. And they get to talking to one another and they said, you know, and, and they, when your back's to the wall, you evaluate things and you say, okay, where are we at? And if, if you ever were in an accident or, or all of a sudden, you're, all of a sudden you evaluate, okay, where, where are we at? So they're sitting there almost too weak to talk by their condition and nothing to look forward to. And they say, okay, where are we at? So if we go in the city, we're going to die. There's a couple reasons we're going to die. We're not supposed to be in there. There's no food in there. And if we stay here at the gate, we're going to die. Those things we know. Those things are for sure. And if we say, if we go out there to the Syrians, we might, we'll probably die. That's, that's what they were going on. If we stay here at the city gate, we're dead. We're dying. If we go in there, we're going to die. If we go to the Syria, we'll probably die. How does that compare with your situation this morning? Makes your situation look a lot better, doesn't it? And these people had to, I believe, if you can picture them, I think they had to help each other. And they were laying there at the city gates. And I think they had to help each other up. Not a lot different than we are sometimes. And they didn't make a lot of noise as they scraped down out. I don't know what the pathway looked like there. Um, They walked down that trail. I bet you they walked pretty slow. I bet they, they leaned on each other. And their, their bare feet might have made a scraping noise on the ground, not a loud noise. I bet they whispered to each other as they got close to the camp. I bet they didn't, I bet they were very tentative. I don't think they ran in the, in the camp making a lot of noise. I think they, it, they garnered all their strength they could, and it might have took the four of them to slide down there, however that, however far Syria had set up their camp. But the Lord was working at that point. They could hardly stand. And the Lord was working at that point. And what the Syrians heard was, we believe this king and this king and all this helps coming in. And they heard equipment moving in. And they didn't do it. They ran for their lives. They didn't even take their animals along. All their possessions, all their goods, all the food, and they ran for their lives. And everybody just cleared out in front of those four. You know, one Syrian could have taken all four of those out. No problem. I really believe that he could have just leveled them there. 
And they got into the first tent. Can you imagine the feeling, the hunger that these outcasts, used to being hurt by society, used to being rejected by society, they walk in a tent, and here's, they haven't eaten for how long? And their strength is waning, and they walk in the tent and say, wow. And so they eat there. I can, I can just see them talking to one another. And I can see them not believing this was happening. And I can see them saying, how can this be? And, and, they, and they, they ate, and then they said, look at this gold, and look at this jewelry. Look at these, this here value, look at this cash. And they took it and went outside the camp somewhere, probably not very far, and I don't believe they hid it, it says. And I don't believe they did. And they came back and they went into the next tent. Now, and, and they, they got some, and they, all of a sudden they said to each other, now wait a minute, here, here we sit. You know, if we keep this to ourselves, uh, mischief is going to come back on us. If we don't tell people, and, and if you don't take anything else away from here this morning, if you would just remember this. Those, those valuables that they found was the gospel that you have in your hands, that you have in your heart. And their thought of, you know, if we don't tell people about this, if we don't share this with people who desperately need it, we're going to be in trouble. And I really believe it's, a, it's for us today to look at and say, okay, uh, if we sit on all these valuables and we go hide them somewhere, just use them, just partake of them, I think we're going to be in pretty big trouble, don't you? Uh, God, that looks down and, and but here these people were these four leopards they were on the very edge like you and I think we are sometimes they were on the edge and said we're going to die we're going to die and maybe we'll die and they walked into to blessings the difference in the mindset between the lepers and the king's assistant is what I was thinking about. The king's assistant said, you know what? If God himself, God can't fix my problem. They were all on the edge. All of them were on the edge. All of them were in the situation. And you put this story in your own struggles. Life is difficult. We have financial problems. We have besetting sins. We have struggles with faith. We have relation problems. We have all kinds of problems. And if you're like me, sometimes you can feel like your back is to the wall. And, and you just can't move. And there's nothing you can do about it. The difference between the king's assistant saying, God can't fix my problem, and the leper saying, that's our best bet. That's the only hope we have. How big is your God? 
was what was going through my mind. I can't is the enemy of the future. My circumstances are so messed up that nothing can help. See, when your circumstances are bigger than your God, your God is too small. When your circumstances, what you're going through this week, and we all have something to bring to the table, whether it's the neighbors, or your finances, or the sin that just won't let go of you. Every one of us in that room can think of something. When your circumstances, when your situation is bigger than your God, your God is too small. When we limit God and make Him into our image, when we say there's nothing that could help, even if the windows of heaven would open, even if this and that would happen, there is no way that things, my situation could change. And at first when I was looking at this story, you know, I can relate to the king's assistant. There's many times in my life where I was thinking, it's never going to happen. I can't get over this. I can't leave this sin behind. Or my finances, there's just too, they're just too big. And it's going to be so embarrassing. And, and there's just, and, and a, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's our own struggles and our own making and we make we we have ourselves in our own little prison and we we think because we're short on faith we think that 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 god is smaller than our situation <clears throat> hopeless impossible faith in my situation is unrealistic. My circumstances are just impossible. How, how big is our God? <clears throat> There's a song school children sing. Uh, school children. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. One of the school children. What's the next phrase? Anybody? Thanks. Thanks, Joe. One of the school children again. Uh, who can lead that song? Just a verse of that song. My God is so big. Anybody? A couple of you are almost considering it. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, go ahead. Let's go. And Yeah. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are His, the rivers are His, the stars are His handiwork too. My God is so big. 
So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. Yeah, our children learn that in, in school. We teach them that. This, the teachers teach them that. And then our pastors stand up front here, our Sunday school teachers, and we say, Now unto him that is able to keep you. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we think or ask. According to the power that worketh in us. And, and we hear this. And we kind of, we kind of grab that. We kind of believe that. We can kind of wrap our mind around that. Can't we? The struggles that we have. And there's so many samples in the Bible of, of this that, you know, speak to us on this and encourage us when we stumble and trip. Like the first march, uh, you know, if we thought that marches were only since Obama was president, that's not true. The first one was Jewish Lives Matter march around the city of Jericho. And their, their situation looked like there was no, no hope. Absolutely no hope. And they marched around for seven days and God brought things to pass. You know, you look at that, you say, and in Hebrew it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around it there. It was by faith. I go back to your thought. I hate when you speak hope. But I have to. I need it for myself. And it was by faith, Hebrews says, that Sarah had a child even though she kind of got wobbly once in a while, like you and I do. She laughed at one point. Ha! Her response wasn't much different that even if God would put windows in heaven, this is not going to happen. But somehow she hung on to that strand of faith and that hope and she became a mom when she thought that it was never going to happen. I have a paragraph here that was a challenge to me as I, as I uh, put it beside my struggles, uh, my situation, my circumstances. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But... Others were tortured, refusing to turn from the God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after resurrection. Some were cheered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. 
They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were telling us how bad your circumstances are today. Don't let me interrupt you. Tell us all here how you're treated unfairly and how bad you're how bad you have it here as you sit here together this morning. Fact of the matter is in closing, life is difficult. It can be difficult for all of us. I tried everything I know and I'm out of resources. I'm out of hope. Listen. Listen to me. Don't give up on God. Don't give up hope on God. He hasn't given up on you. Don't use the phrase, I can't. And don't use the phrase, God can't. Don't believe in the fake news that's out there saying it's out of control. Everything's chaotic. God is no longer in charge. Your situation is totally left up to chance and there is no hope for you. You know, I, I'd like to speak into your lives this morning to encourage you, to steady, to steady you, to just reach out and steady you and point you toward faith against all odds, against any chance that your situation is going to improve. God likes to work when your back's to the wall, when your fate's in the balance, and you're just about to fall. So there'll be no mistake when He blesses and heals. God likes to work when nothing else will. Don't give up on God. Don't limit God. When your circumstances are bigger than God, your God is too small. Let's kneel for prayer.